If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 9. Uh, I want to look at a couple of verses of Scripture in John, chapter 9, and also in Luke, chapter number 24. Luke, chapter number 24. John 9 and Luke, chapter number 24. John 9 and 4 says, uh, these are the words of Jesus Christ. If you have a red letter edition of your Bible, you will notice that it's written in red. John 9 and 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Everyone say sent. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. These words of Jesus makes it very clear that he had a very clear and obvious sense of his mission and purpose on earth the planet. Luke chapter 24 and verse number 44. Some of the final words of Jesus to his disciples before ascending into the heavens. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, Jesus, with his disciples, referenced the Old Testament, verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. You must notice here that he is referring to the Old Testament because the New Testament had not yet been written. But he shared with them understanding about the Old Testament. Verse 46, and said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and ye are witnesses of these things and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I want you to notice back to verse 46. He said unto them, Thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, so that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. I want you to notice here that he is, usually when, when Jesus says it is written, he would quote a specific passage from the Old Testament. It is written, and he would quote a specific passage. In this particular reading, Jesus said, it is written, but then he didn't quote specific verses from the Old Testament. But what he was saying basically is this is the whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets and Moses summed up, and it is. It behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So I want you to hold your Bible right now, and I want you to look at this book, and I want you to understand something about that book. That is a book of mission. And sometimes we think that the New Testament is the book where, or, or, or the passages of Scripture where we understand the mission 
uh, of Jesus Christ and the mission that we have as a church. But the entire Bible from the front to the back, it's not about mission. It is a book of mission. It is God's mission put into print and put into your hands. And I believe it's very important for us to understand that we are a part of something that is greater than ourselves. And we are a part of something that is greater than what's happening in 2012 in Monrovia, California. But we are a part of a mission that goes back to the very beginning of time. And God has called us and ordained us and positioned us to live life with mission. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your mercy and kindness to us. We thank you for your blessings and we pray in the name of Jesus that you would enable to communi- us to communicate, Lord God, faith, Jesus, understanding, passion, vision, Lord Jesus, over the next few moments so that as we enter into this important season of the year where we celebrate your coming and your birth, that we would join with your mission and purpose forever showing up on this planet in the first place. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want you to find two or three hands that look attractive enough to take hold of, and I want you to shake those hands and say, I'm so glad to see you in church today. Yesterday, December the 7th, 1941, a day which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. On that next day, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt declared war and became a part of of the Second World War, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Just a couple of days ago, you may have missed it, but there is a holiday, something that we pause as a nation to remember on December the 7th. It is Pearl Harbor Day, where we take time to remember the attack of the Japanese military at the time upon the United States of America's forces that were parked in Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. This attack and the response of the United States of America leading them into the Second World War has necessitated our nation and historians thereof to say we need to pause and remember that. I know that every year for me, in uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all the things that's going on, it's almost like it passes by and I don't even get to stop and consider and think about what happened on that day. One of the interesting things about this attack was the introduction of something that would later be referred to as the kamikaze. A kamikaze comes from, uh, it's a a translation or a Japanese translation of the words God wind or divine wind. These were warriors, pilots, who determined if they weren't able to drop their payload to destroy any of the battleships that were there in the harbor, something happened that they would intentionally fly 
their aircraft into these aircraft carriers trying to destroy them. These happened just a couple of times in Pearl Harbor, but then beyond that, these kamikaze pilots were literally, uh, uh, they, they signed up for the task. These were suicide attacks by military aviators against the Allied naval vessels. And we begin to see the kamikaze more and more in the closing stages of the Pacific campaign where it became more and more clear that the Allied forces were going to emerge victoriously if the tide didn't turn quickly. And uh, these were designed to destroy warships more effectively than was possible with conventional attacks. There's a lot of different numbers, but it's at least 47 Allied vessels, including PT boats to escort carriers, were sunk by kamikaze attacks, and about 300 additional uh, um, crafts were damaged. During the Second World War, nearly 4,000 kamikaze pilots were sacrificed, and about only about 14% of the kamikaze attacks managed to hit a ship. So oftentimes these were pilots who were maybe weren't even pilots before, but they quickly trained them. They had inferior uh, aircrafts. They could no longer compete. And so they decided we can turn the war if we can get these individuals to commit. The captain, Motoharu uh, Akumura, commented that there were so many volunteers for these suicide missions that he referred to them as a swarm of bees. Just like bees, when they sting, their life is over. And these kamikaze pilots would literally lay down their lives for the cause that they felt was important. Many of these kamikaze pilots believed their deaths would pay the debt they owed and also show the love that they held for their families, friends, and for the emperor. Quote, so eager were many minimally trained pilots to take part in suicide missions that when their sorties were delayed or aborted, the pilots became deeply despondent. Many of those were selected for a body crashing mission were described as being extraordinarily blissful immediately before their final sortie. I have a hard time understanding why someone would commit their lives knowing that there's no chance of survival to take and fly the plane directly into an aircraft uh, carrier. Now, we saw this again in our day, those of us that are younger on September the 11th, 2001, on that Tuesday morning that most of us here can remember very well, 19 terrorists from Al-Qaeda hijacked four passenger jets and intentionally flew two of those planes into the north and south towers of the World Trade Center complex in New York City. And within two hours, both of those towers collapsed, and we remember how it felt and what it looked like that day. The hijackers also intentionally crashed another flight into the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, and were trying to pilot the fourth hijacked jet into the United States Capitol building in Washington. The problem was the plane crashed in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, after its passengers attempted to take control of the jet from the hijackers. What was the motivation? What was the purpose 
behind this? Why were these guys so motivated that these 19 men were willing to sacrifice their lives in an effort to create mayhem and destruction? Osama bin Laden's declaration of a holy war against the United States and a fatwa signed by bin Laden calling for the killing of American civilians in 1998 are seen as evidence of his motivation. And also, before and after these attacks, Al-Qaeda cited three motives for its activities. Number one, the presence of U.S. troops in Saudi Arabia. And number two, the United States support of Israel. Number three, sanctions against Iraq. But we saw this commitment to the mission that seemed unlikely to produce any real victory, but they were committed enough to go to the death. Then we saw the other side. This is the side I much prefer to talk about. As those brave firemen ran into the burning buildings while everyone else was running out, knowing that they were risking their life and many of them perished when the towers themselves collapsed, overtaken by a sense of mission to run into a burning building. Today, my subject is living with mission, living a life with mission. Certainly, our mission doesn't require us uh, to fly airplanes and to end our lives uh, in an effort to destroy other human life. Uh, But we must realize that we are a part of a purpose and a cause that is bigger than ourselves. Amen. The word mission is uh, defined as an act or an instance of sending. And you and I have been sent and commissioned on a mission. Another translate, another word is, uh, a definition is a body of persons sent to perform a service or carry out an activity or a specific task with which a person or a group is charged. And I believe that the greatest way to live your life is to live a life with a mission. Because there's too many people that are just drifting through life. And I'm not talking just about unbelievers. There's too many believers that are just drifting through life. Too many people are just shooting arrows without any targets without anything that they're seeking to accomplish. And when you live life without mission and without purpose, uh, you you walk without direction and without vision. It's just about existence uh, and survival. There's many people who devote their lives to inferior purposes or inferior visions like making money or receiving acceptance or approval. A lot of people live with something called approval addiction. Their whole existence is dedicated to feeling accepted and approved of by people. And this is what motivates them to their education, perhaps to their career and their pursuit of success. What is their motivation? Not that they're on a mission, but their motivation is to impress the right people or to be good enough to feel like they have finally arrived. Most people live their lives for self-gratification. That means there is a pursuit for good food, to enjoy sex, to enjoy pleasure, to wear nice clothes and drive nice cars and live in a nice pad. 
Many people just let life happen to them as if they are powerless pawns being moved about uh, by the powers that be, whether it be family members, their boss, or the government in which they live. But I want to tell you today that without God and without a sense of mission, life has no real meaning, and it's a lacking true purpose. Life has no hope. I want to tell you today that God has given us a reason to live. God has given us a reason to wake up in the morning. God has given us a purpose and a mission and a reason for which to live. And the greatest tragedy in life is not to die, but the greatest tragedy is to live life without purpose or mission. Because I believe that hope comes from having a meaningful purpose and living a life with mission. When you live a life of mission that is a purpose, I've been given something to do. I have something that I'm a part of that's big. When you live like that, it gives you motivation, and it provides focus, and it allows you to get on with things that matter and abandon things that don't really matter when you get a hold of the mission and the purpose of life. When you look through the Bible, you see a lot of people that lived with mission. A lot of examples I could share with you today, but one of them I want to share with you is a man named Caleb, whose partner was Joshua, who served under the leadership of Moses when the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Those of you that remember the story of Caleb know that he was one of the 12 that came back from touring the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. And when he came back, he said, we'd be well able to take the land. But the people listened to the negative report. Isn't that sad how sometimes we are so easily pulled toward negativity? Isn't that human nature? You have to intentionally move away from negativity and pursue the positive word. But Caleb and Joshua came back and said, we'd be well able to take the land. But the people listened to the negative report, and as a result, The Bible lets us know that for 40 years from that time, they wandered in the wilderness and did not experience the promised land. In Joshua chapter 14 and verse 8, Caleb speaks to his leader, Joshua at that time, and says, I remember back when the other people came and made the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God, And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now Caleb's an old man. And he says, The Lord hath kept me alive just like he promised these 45 years, even since the Lord spake the word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now I am this day fourscore and five years old. How old's the man? Anybody know your scores? Fourscore and five. Eighty-five years old. And he says in verse 11, And yet I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that were great uh, 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 in that day, that thou heardest in that day how that 
uh, Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced, if so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb and uh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb unto this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. This is a man who lived 45 years with a mission. We're going to the promised land. The rest of my compatriots are falling in the sand, but I'm going to make it. And when he finally got to the promised land at 85 years of age, most people at that age would say, just give me a piece of property in the plain. But he said, give me the mountain. And he pursued after the mountain. And he received what God had promised him. And he drove them out. And Hebron today is the inheritance of the people of Caleb. Caleb was a man who lived with a mission. What is the mission of the church of the living God? The mission of the church, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. How shall they hear without a preacher? You shall be my witnesses. Jesus Christ was making it clear to us that when he left, the whole purpose of the Bible was going to unfold. He said he would cause us to go to the ends of the earth. And uh, whom shall we send? Here am I. Send me. But the message, uh, the mission of the church is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And we shared with you that the Old Testament is a missional book. It wasn't about the gospel being shared because the gospel wasn't revealed yet. But God selected a group of people, and this group of people, the children of Israel, were his called people. He called them for a mission. He promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I haven't selected you just because I like you, but I've selected you for a purpose. I didn't select you just so you could heap blessings. I could heap blessings on you and you would enjoy them. I have selected you so that you could be a holy priesthood, a a holy nation, that you could show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so the nation of Israel as a whole were on a mission to reveal the invisible God, Jehovah, to a world that was wrapped up in pagan beliefs and multi-gods and polytheism. He said, I have sent you to do something. And when you look at the Hebrew people today, you see this sense of being a part of a mission. Even today, it's amazing. The statistics speak for themselves. Jews make up less than one half of one percent of the world's population. 0.5 of the world's population is Jewish. But they consistently have made up more than 20% of the Forbes 400 list of the world's richest people. 20%. 0.5% of the population, 20%. Everybody say promises, blessing, purpose. Amen. But it's not just making money uh, that the Jews seem to be... uh, excel at, 30% of Nobel Prize winners in science are Jewish. And major Hollywood studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal, are also run or owned 
by Jewish individuals. In virtually every successful industry, um, in virtually every industry, successful Jews are disproportionately represented. Why is that? Because there is a promise from God upon the people. Amen. A promise from God that I'm going to use you. But the flip side of the equation is you have never seen a group of people in history more Uh, viciously oppressed uh, than the called people, than these that were on mission. Acts of hatred and discrimination against Jews, and there's also violent attacks by mobs and state police, uh, military attacks over history on entire Jewish communities. If you do a study of history, it's really shocking. There's extreme examples of persecution like the pogroms, which is a word that was invented to describe state-sponsored attacks of Jewish people. The Crusades in in 1096, uh, uh, their expulsion from England in 1290, uh, the massacres of the Spanish Jews in 1391, and they were kicked out of Spain in 1492. Uh, In Ukraine, there were pogroms, various pogroms in Russia, organized attempts uh, to uh, persecute these individuals, even by the government. Uh, And then, of course, the Holocaust, where six million Jews were murdered, and even beyond that, anti-Semitism is a word that's created to describe this persecution. There is something unique about this group of individuals who had a mission and a calling and a purpose. Their purpose was, amen, we are to show forth the praises of him. We are to reveal to the world that God blesses when you're obedient and that you are punished and you suffer in disobedience. They revealed to the world something about God because they were people of a mission. But God's mission was not exclusive to one group of people long ago in history. But his plan was that through them, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And on December the 25th, we will celebrate the birth of a baby whose life mission and purpose was to take the promises given to the children of Israel and to extend them to all of humanity through this thing that we call redemption, being purchased back from the enemy, being awakened from a spiritual slumber and finding your mission and purpose in life. I want to tell you today that we are not on this planet just to make babies and make money, but God has put us here to become a part of a larger mission that goes all the way back to when God formed Adam from the dust of the ground, goes all the way back to where God whispered promises into Abraham's ear and repeated them to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the mission of redemption of humanity when Jesus was 12 years old. He went up to Jerusalem to be baptized. While he was there for the Feast of Tabernacles, his family decided it was time to leave and assumed that Jesus was in the traveling caravan of a larger family. However, they discovered a couple days later that Jesus was missing, and so they ran back to Jerusalem seeking him. And after three days, they found him in the temple. So they looked for him for a while. He was sitting in the midst of the doctors of the law hearing them, asking him questions. All that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. They saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Didn't you know that I was about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. From the time that Jesus was just a child, 
he had a keen understanding of his mission and purpose on the planet. And I believe that we as the church need to be awakened to what it is that we are supposed to be about. How many love to see people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Anybody else that gets excited whenever you see the tank out there and the and the hose that's filling up the tank? Hey Amen. Isn't that exciting? Does anybody else get excited when you see someone come through the doors of the church, maybe that you've never seen before, and uh, uh, and then during the service you know notice that they're wiping tears, and you don't know their story, you don't know what their brokenness they're coming from, what's happening in their family or individually, but it's so exciting to see the spirit of the Lord begin to move. Amen. And when you see these kinds of things, uh, it produces satisfaction and fulfillment. And if not, there's something wrong with you. Amen. If you'd rather be watching a basketball game or a football game than watching somebody pray through to the Holy Ghost, something is wrong with you. Amen. Amen. But uh, that's not where it ends. We believe that God wants us to follow up on these people and to help them become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. This is the purpose for Life Church, and this is our mission to make disciples of all nations. Amen. And God blesses us with guests and those that need the Holy Ghost. He sends us these prospects, and the question is, what are we going to do with them? And as a church, we must understand our mission is to reach people that are lost, uh, is to reach out to people that are needy, to reach out to people that are hurting. And uh, whenever we do what we do next Thursday night on December the 20th, uh, it's not about just giving something to people that need something, and it's not about just showing up for another event. It's about being a part of the mission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us as a church when he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, seeing them get baptized and teaching them the things that Jesus has taught you. Our mission must be aligned with the mission of Jesus Christ to build up the kingdom of God, to seek and to save those that are lost and to destroy the works of the devil. And I believe as a, as a Christian, as a believer, when we're not actively involved in our mission, life becomes empty. Life becomes frustrating. Life becomes meaningless. You could still be going to church. You could still come and raise your hands at all the right time and get your praise on. But it still feels empty because you don't feel connected to your mission. I want to tell you that this is what Life Church is about. It's about helping you understand that your life is about more than you. And it's about more than just what happens in your house. But it's about serving in this army called the army of God and being a part of this kingdom called the kingdom of God whose purpose is very plain and very clear that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in all nations. Amen. And that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. Jesus said it this way, if you follow after me, I will make you fishers of men. Go ye into all the world. Make disciples. I'm with you always to the end of the age. We've got to be about the Father's business of fishing for men and making disciples. And our church growing stronger, our church thriving and prospering is about us understanding 
this mission and being actively looking for opportunities to introduce Jesus Christ through the gospel, through the Holy Spirit baptism, to get obsessed with it. Because I promise you one thing, the devil will do anything he can to ensure that you get disinterested in the mission. He'll do anything possible to sap our concern. He'll do anything to make you fearful or unwilling to be involved in the mission, unwilling to take responsibility when it comes to evangelism. But something has to get a hold of us that says, I must be a about my father's business. Who is it that I'm reaching right now? Who is it that has a target on their heart? Who am I investing in? Who am I leveraging my relational influence for the sake of eternity? Who am I trying to reach? If I can't answer that quickly, I've got to get back on mission. I've got to get back about my father's business. got to do what God has called us to do. Love people. Have boldness and show faith what Jesus did. Amen. And I just want to talk to you for a few moments here in closing as we wrap this up from my heart and remind you that the church is the only answer to the needs of this world. There aren't enough programs to fix the mess that sin makes in people's lives. It takes the church of the living God, but not just the church having church services and hanging out together, but a church that understands the mission that God has put us in, that he has sent us, he has involved us to be a part of. Hallelujah. And I know uh, I just... uh, I'm I'm struggling today to get this message communicated, but it's something that the Lord has put in my spirit. There is a city all around us. There are people all around us that are hurting. There are people all around you. You don't need to go to Africa to find people that are needy. And you don't need to go to South America to find people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are hundreds and thousands of people that are all around you and I that need the message of Jesus Christ. Their families are falling apart. Their marriages are being ravaged by Satan, their future and even their physical bodies are being ravaged by addiction and by sin, but you have the answer and I've got the message and that is that Jesus Christ has the power to transform a life, Jesus Christ has the power to put together what the devil has destroyed and ripped apart, but I've got to realize that this is my mission in life, this is why I wake up in the morning, this is why I am animated by breath This is what God has put into my spirit. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill shall not be hid. But I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And I'm not a perfect example. Nobody's a perfect example except Jesus. So you know what? You don't have to be perfect to be on mission. Amen. But you need to get on mission. 
from the moment you walk in this place and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and know you've found what you've been looking for. I've found what I've been thirsting for. I've found what I've been hungry for. Guess what? Now you are a part of the mission. Now you have been commissioned to say, I want my life to burn with passion and fervor and vision. starts telling me about all the people, maybe just one at a time, not all of them at once, who he'd just been witnessing to and how he told them, oh, you're not going to find it there. You're not going to find satisfaction there. Telling them about the Word of God. Telling them about the hope in Jesus Christ. Sharing the truth in love. And sometimes as an elder... You can also share the truth with a little bit of authority of the years of experience. I can tell you right now, you're not going to find it there. I tried for how many years. It didn't fill it up. Amen. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the message of redemption. Because at the end of the day, we don't like to talk about this, but people are lost and they're going to hell. I know it's not a popular message, but people without Jesus Christ have no hope of eternal life. That's a real exclusive message and you don't hear it anymore. But it's, it's part of our mission is understanding that the people in this world need Jesus, not just for what he can do for them in this life and what he can put back together, but because that's their only hope of eternal life. And when we get this ground down in our spirit and when we understand, in light of eternity, the most important person in your workplace is not the CEO. The most important person in the workplace is you. You know why? Because you got a little light. Amen. God has anointed you. God has blessed you. Praise God. God has allowed you to go through some tough times. Can I get an amen? And your light's still shining. Praise God. And there's people that are watching. And there's people that are hungry and thirsty for God. Oh, God, I pray that you would put faith in our spirit to believe that God is going to use us. God is going to empower us. God is going to anoint us to make a difference. I'm going to wrap this up and have us come forward in just a moment. Sarah, if you could cue up that video again that we played early on. Early on. most chilling things I've heard about was that the Allied soldiers at the end of World War II, when they had liberated Germany from the Nazi regime, when they went through the uh, concentration camps and saw all the evidence of the atrocities against humanity, one of the things that they did was forced parades of citizens of surrounding communities through these concentration camps to observe the atrocities that happened just a few feet and miles from where they lived. And when they walked through, they were so horrified. 
many of them collapsed. The ladies were collapsed, literally, as they were being shown the atrocities that happened in their government. And they just felt powerless to stop it. They felt powerless. They heard the trains pull up. They saw these people herded off of them like cattle off of a cattle car and taken into these concentration camps. And as they saw it, they were haunted by the reality that we, in a sense, let this happen. We let it take place. One of these days, see, here's how I'm different than a lot of people. I believe the Word of God is true. And I believe one of these days, the last trumpet is going to sound. And God's going to call His church home. We're not going to discuss all of the timetable of biblical prophecy post-mid-trib, post-pre-mid. But I want to tell you that God is going to take His church out and that there is going to be great destruction on the earth and there's final a judgment seat before which every person will stand. And you and I will stand before the judgment seat unashamed, not because we're good folks, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ having been applied to our lives. That's why Jesus said, my mission is this, that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in my name among all nations. Jesus Christ has given us the responsibility to let people know that you don't have to die with your sins. You don't have to live with the guilt the rest of your life. You don't have to just ignore God's principles and suffer the consequences of them forever. And finally, you don't have to stand before a righteous judge ashamed by what you did in your life. But every sin, every mistake, every error, every breach of the law, every example of rebellion against God's authority can be washed away by the blood of the Lamb. This is the message of hope is that you can be set free, you can be redeemed, and God has called us as a church to do that. And if you're here today and you're not sure if you've been forgiven, I've got good news for you. You can walk out of here today fully assured that regardless of your failures and your mistakes, that the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins and taken the blood that flowed out of his body, which is the only potion that has the power to cleanse from sin, and applied it to your life so that you can stand before the Lord. This is the message of the gospel, that if you confess your sins and repent, God will forgive you, and he will fill you with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. Why don't we stand together right now, and I wonder if all across this place, if we could begin to make our way up here to the front, right up here at the front together. If you're here with us today and you need to get things right with God, you want to ask God to forgive you of your sins and receive His Spirit, you can do that right here in a moment as we begin to pray together. I believe God will forgive you. I know God will forgive you because He forgave me. That's why I'm here today. I'm standing up here today because the Lord forgave me. Amen. So as we begin to pray in just a moment, if you need to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to be washed and cleansed, that will happen in this place right now. But as we play this video again, I want you to begin to pray, and I want you to ask God, say, God, I want you 
to infect me with the mission all over again. That my life would be lived on mission. That I would remember the people that are hurting and the people that have needs and the people that are broken. And Lord Jesus, you would remind me again that you gave me your spirit, not just so I could feel goosebumps and speak in a different language. You gave me your Holy Spirit, not just so I'd have a ticket to heaven, but you gave me your Holy Spirit so that I could jump into this mission that's not just 2,000, but over 7,000 years old. It says there's redemption and hope for mankind and repentance and remission of sins will be preached among all nations. Lord Jesus, I pray today, Lord God, that this passion for the cause, Lord, and the mission, and the power of the gospel, Lord Jesus, would get a hold of us. That we would be moved with compassion, Lord God, for those that have needs. That as a church, Lord Jesus, we would get over being so preoccupied and wrapped up in things that take all of our time and our attention. And somehow, in the name of the Lord, that you would let that passion grow within us. If you surrender your life to His purpose, why don't you lift up your hands right now?
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I encourage you to begin to open up your mouth right now. Hallelujah. The word of God says that from within you shall flow the rivers of living water. Let it flow right now. Come on, people of God. Lift up your hands and open up your mouth right now. Allow yourself to be used as a portal of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Allow yourself to be, to be that window of heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to open up your mouth right now and allow, allow, allow. Allow the rivers of living water to flow through you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, we come before your presence right now on this day of December of the year 2012 corporately uh, under the banner of Life Church in the name of Jesus and we begin to release our faith release our faith hallelujah we release our faith right now Father God for the supernatural to begin to happen in our communities oh Father God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on people of God just come with me come with me come with me thus saith the Lord come into a place of the spirit right now come into a time of intercession in the name of Jesus understand right now the decree of the Lord, hallelujah, understand the promise, even as Pastor uh, uh, Richard already prayed, hallelujah, the promise, and the promise is, it is written, hallelujah, that out of you shall flow the rivers of living water, not hallelujah from, from, a, from a political system, hallelujah, not from a school system, but from the church, hallelujah, and you are the church, allow right now, allow right now, allow right now for the rivers of living water to flow through you, hallelujah, rivers of healing, rivers of restoration hallelujah 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 for even as we saw the visual today father god through this video father god we saw homes that were represented hallelujah but father god by way of the spirit we go beyond the walls father god of the homes and beyond the roofs that we saw visually father god and right now father god by way of your spirit as the rivers of living water are flowing in the name of jesus oh father god we position ourselves as a church we position ourselves as a church in the name of Jesus. We position ourselves right now to reach every soul, hallelujah, to reach the hurting mother, to reach the hurting mother, to reach the hurting father, to reach the hurting young man and young lady, hallelujah. I decree and declare, hallelujah, together we decree and declare, hallelujah, that there shall be a visitation, a divine visitation, a divine visitation to the young lady that is sitting by the edge of her bed contemplating whether she shall live tomorrow. Oh, Father God, as the rivers of living water are flowing on this day of December, hallelujah, we begin to believe, Father God, that by faith, your spirit is going before us, Father God, and that your spirit is divinely visiting, Father God, the young father that is contemplating if it is worth it to continue to go forth. Oh, Father God, we are believing in the name of Jesus that your spirit is going forth, hallelujah, that it is touching our nation, that it is touching our community and that it is healing that it is healing that it is healing and renewing the mind of the young person and of the soul that was told you might not make it people of God as you're allowing and continue to allow the rivers of living water to flow the power of prayer has the ability and I see this in my spirit right now. To break generational curses. 
to break the power of, of, of uh, women that whether they were being influenced to possibly have an abortion. See that young 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old that is contemplating whether they shall live, hallelujah, or I'm not even going to go that far. The ones that haven't even been activated in purpose, I see it right now by way of the Spirit. It's because the mother, because of circumstances, contemplated abortion, but the abortion didn't happen. And the Lord is saying right now, that young person, even that adult, they are still alive because I am calling Life Church. I am calling my kingdom to come forth and activate them into purpose. Activate them into mission and into purpose. And today as we close, we corporately position ourselves. Can you repeat this with me? Today, in the name of Jesus, we position ourselves corporately as one body in Christ to go forth to allow the rivers of living water to flow through me through our corporate time of prayer right now and through our time of prayer in our prayer closet and today we intercede we are praying that generational curses are broken. And Father, we are going to allow ourselves. Come on, we are going to allow ourselves. We are allowing ourselves. We are positioning ourselves to be used by you in this season to be the light of the world. Thank you, Father, for this moment and this time. Let's put our hands together and give the Lord praise right now. Can we do that, everybody? Come on, let's give, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Why don't you lift your voice and give God a shout of praise right now. If you believe what our pastor preached today, if you believe what is, come on, let's give him a shout of praise right now. Let's give him a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everybody, for coming today. We are so glad that you are here. If you are a guest with us, whether it is your first time or you are a repeated guest with us, we want you to make your way out that door to your left-hand side and into the pastor's reception room. Uh, we want to shake your hand, get connected with you, uh, get to know you a little bit better, and make you feel a part of the greatest family uh, in our community. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful day.